Good morning. Rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad to have you here. Wednesday, the 8th of November, 2023. Thanks for joining us. Well, you guys sound like you're in a good mood. I'm not sure why. Wasn't the best news for anyone right of center last night. Voters across the country headed to the polls to weigh in on a slew of statewide and local elections. And they are saying this might serve as a bellwether for next year's congressional and White House races. Virginia Democrats gained full control of the state's General Assembly, dealing a major blow to Governor Glenn Youngkin's agenda in a race that was seen as an indicator of the Democrats' strength heading into 2024. We've got lots to cover this morning. The, uh, mo the motion to censure Rashida Tlaib on the House floor passed last night, including 22 Democrats who voted for it as well. Reasons to be happy, reasons to be sad. What do you think about that? We'll play the clips for you, as well as some of the insane floor speeches that we saw yesterday. I've got some of those clips. We'll play them for you. And well, maybe not start your day the right way, but at least you'll be informed. At 7.30 a.m. this morning, I'm looking forward to speaking to my old buddy, Josh Smith. He is a libertarian presidential candidate, and he's got some interesting views on foreign policy, especially as a former military member. He wants to weigh in in the conflict between Israel and Hamas this morning and clear up some of the misconceptions about his foreign policy. He's also taking on the new libertarian party establishment. Reminds me of somebody that I knew back in the day. Uh, and he's going to join us this morning to talk a little bit about that. At 8 o'clock this morning, we're going to speak to Judge Andrew Napolitano about a very spicy topic. This is it's, it's as spicy as it gets. Do domestic abusers get gun rights? Well, I guess maybe the, the, better, the better way to phrase this is, do people who are suspected of domestic abuse, are they allowed to retain their gun rights? It's definitely a question that you don't want to have over polite company. But hey, we're not polite company. We're a bunch of yahoos watching the Wake Up America show. Over 600 of us this morning here on Rumble. What's up? Corian Callie says, maybe Republicans should put up candidates worth the crap. Hell yes, America. God bless. Thank you. Absolutely and totally agree. Uh, it, while you're here over here on Rumble right now, do us a favor and click that like button. And if you enjoy the content this morning, make sure you subscribe to our channel here so you can come back and join us. The Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and it's a great way to start your day with a cup of coffee, founding flavors. We have our own brand. Uh, and you should join us here uh, as a great way to start your day and make sure that you're informed. But we're going to sp speak to the judge about the Supreme Court mulling the legality of curbs on guns for people who are suspected of domestic violence. That's going to be an interesting one. The U.S. Supreme Court apparently leans towards allowing some curbs on guns for people suspected of domestic violence. That's another bit of bad news this morning. Yikes, sorry. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. If it was up to me, I would only tell you what you want to hear, and then I could make all the monies. At 8.30 this morning, I'm looking forward to speaking to the Butter and Hose podcast. What the hell, Austin, are you talking about? That's right. We're going to speak to Mike and Derek of the Making Bread and Buttering Hose podcast. They've got a really popular college, or uh, like growing popularity, especially after this show today, College Football Gambling Podcast. And I want to talk to them about this clip that was circulating over the last week. Did you see this uh, college football player who, after he lost the game, he jumped into the stands and was crying in his mother's arms, and everybody was talking about whether or not this is appropriate in public. Some people were bashing him for it. Some people were saying, oh, he's just hugging his mom. 20-year-old college football player crying in his mom's arms 
What are your thoughts on that? We're going to have them respond to it. And we're excited to talk to them a little bit about politics as well, because apparently they're like us, right-leaning libertarians. A hell yes. Can I get a hell yes? We're going to speak to them this morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, so about an hour and a half from now. Make sure you come back and join us to talk to Mike and Derek. It's going to be a great show. All right. Well, the mood last night on Hannity was dour. Take a listen. Hannity, we begin tonight with a Fox News alert. Election night 2023 is well underway. Polls are now closed in several key states where close races could serve as maybe a small preview of coming attractions for the 2024 election. In a moment, we'll take you live on the ground in Virginia, where Governor Glenn Youngkin's GOP turnout strategy is now being put to the test. And some breaking news, Ohio voters, they have passed a constitutional amendment protecting access to abortion, extending statewide wins for abortion rights. As Andy Bashir wins this race, called over Daniel Cameron. Tonight, the midterm elections, the last few elections, we must recognize that as a party, good polling does not always translate into resounding victory. Uh, well, number. Good polling does not always translate into a rousing victory. And that's an interesting thing to say in light of the polling that shows Donald Trump winning in five out of six battleground states over Joe Biden. This is according to a New York Times Siena poll that came out just this week. So maybe we shouldn't be uh, celebrating in the end zone just yet because we're not in the end zone. Reince Priebus. Number one, um, incumbents uh, that are popular are going to win. Number two. Republicans can't keep stumbling and bumbling on abortion. And number three, mm-hmm. we can't keep losing close races. So, Can't keep losing close races. Yeah, no, that's true. Oh, I've got so many clips of you from uh, from yesterday. Here was, uh, now, this is just an FYI. There are going to be some curse words in this. This is a Democrat, a Democrat voter at the polls confronting a Republican electioneer outside of the polls Uh, There are some bad words in this, but this is the modern behavior of the the Democrat uh, behavior of the modern Democrat. So here it is. A lot of bad words. You might have been, might as well have been walking up to my head on the way to the polling station, putting a gun in the head, trying to tell me not to vote. You might as well have just been going up to the polling location, putting a gun to my head and telling me not to vote. That's this Democrat's take on things because he's standing outside encouraging people to vote Republican. It's, it's the same thing. Telling someone to vote Republican is the same thing as putting a gun under their head. <laughs> what? You expect me to not take, take that fucking personally? You f- Watch your language, sir. Fucking try to overthrow elections with violence, and then you're out here among decent people. Thanks for what coming out What do you have to there. say that, huh? What, and what's on your fucking, what's on your fucking, uh, uh, your, what are your policy prescriptions? Have a nice day. You've already fucking been. Fucking rapist rights. Yeah. Involving is... yourself in people's fucking families and their fucking bedrooms. It's pretty wild. You fucking Dude, animal. If I was a limp-wristed liberal, I would not be confronting any Republican. I would not be going and trying to talk about violence or getting in someone's face like that. He's not done. You try to steal my vote next year, I'm going to fucking remember you personally. Thank you. I'm just going to go home and I'm just going to bite my pillow is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to bite my pillow. <laughs> He's very bad. He's going to take a picture. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is that all right? Yeah, you Permission? can. Yeah. It's Order a one party consent bird. state. Shitbird. Yeah, one party state. I want to revoke this guy's cargo shorts privileges. You want a fucking one party country. Is what you want. Hey, sir. How are you? Headed in to vote? 
Can I get a Republican sample ballot? Sure, thank you. <laughs> so he's handing out Republican sample ballots, and the guy says that this is basically putting a gun to his head. The face of a good neighbor, but they support lynch mobs or the fucking KKK, or they're fucking Bible-beating bigots and freaks. <laughs> they support lynch mobs and KKK or the Bible-beating freaks. Is this great or what? <laughs> Good morning. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, I'm Austin Peterson, I'm your host. Glad to have you here. Thankful to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to my channel here on the Wake Up America show. We'll be glad to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We're talking a little bit about the shellacking, the beating that Republicans took all across the country. In Ohio, abortion protections will be enshrined in the state's constitution. Voters approved ballot measure on issue one. In Pennsylvania, the Democrats won a key race for the Supreme Court. In Mississippi, the governor, Tate Reeves, Republican governor, won re-election handily, so a notch up one for the Republicans there. Uh, the Virginia Democrats took a lock on the legislature there. They won, the, they won control of both of the state's legislative bodies. Uh, dealing a major blow to Republican Governor uh, Glenn Youngkin's agenda for the remainder of his term. Um, Joe Biden is already out there touting the passage of the Ohio abortion ballot measure. Uh, he says, Ohioans and, Ohioans and voters across the country rejected attempts by MAGA Republicans, elected officials to impose extreme abortion bans that put the health and lives of women in jeopardy force women to travel hundreds of miles for care and threaten to criminalize doctors and nurses for providing the health care that their patients need and that they are trained to provide. Tonight, Americans once again voted to protect their fundamental freedoms and democracy won. That's uh, Joe Biden, not a fan, obviously. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Donald Trump and what his messaging is going to be on this one, because as you know, Trump has not been the kind of person to be uh, shy of bucking the typical Republican Party pro-life, uh, you know, in, in every single case sort of regime, if you will. And uh, a lot of conservative Republicans have given Trump a lot of heat for comments that he's made about abortion uh, that are, uh, you might say, wavering in, in contrast to typical Republican stances. So I predict that Donald Trump is probably going to come out and make a statement and say, hey, listen, you're not going to be, uh, you cannot be as straight line abortion as you want to be and still be a major player in national politics. You're going to have to back off of some of your positions on abortion in order for Republicans to be able to win elections. You may not like that. I may not like that. I may not agree with that, but I am convinced that Donald Trump is probably going to do something like that because he wants to win re-election too next year. And well, frankly, we all know that Donald Trump has not always been the biggest pro-life candidate of all time. Lots of people have disagreed with that. They say, well, he voted for, for or he, he uh, picked Supreme Court candidates that were very pro-life. Well, yes, that's true. However, his own personal statements have been somewhat to the contrary of that. And he said that in, in recent weeks, in recent months. So it'll be interesting to see what Donald Trump says about that. We're glad to have over 1,100 people here today. I appreciate that. It's wild, too, because I'm pretty sure we're... In, oh, we are featured for a front and center on Rumble.com. I was going to say, we don't normally get that. Thank you very much to Rumble.com for putting us up front and center here on the show on the um, website today. We appreciate that. It really does help our small business to grow. And speaking of our small business, if you haven't heard, my wife and I have started up our very own coffee brand at ap4libertyshop.com. 
What I highly recommend that you do today is to check out the website, check out the shop. There's a ton of things there, not just coffee, don't tread on me shirts, phone cases. One of our shirts that's been going crazy, people been buying like going like hotcakes is our Pepe the Crusader Knight shirt, which is just if you go to our website, apforlibertyshop.com and type in Pepe Crusader, we've got a whole line of Pepe the Crusader merchandise. People seem to love Pepe as a Crusader Knight for some reason. But we've also got a delicious coffee brand, Founding Flavors. My favorite is Thomas Paine's Painkiller Coffee. So visit them at AP number four, AP for Liberty Shop. Dot com. Also, a quick reminder to our moderators today that I want to uh, grant permission to the Making Bread and Buttering Hose podcast guys today. They're allowed to, to drop their own links and promote their own channel today because they asked permission. So they're going to be joining us today at 8.30 a.m. today. Looking forward to talking to them. Josh Smith will be joining us here at about 7.30 a.m. I've got some more great clips for you uh, from the floor of the House of Representatives yesterday. Is uh, This is Missouri Representative Cory Bush who is um, speaking out against the move to censure Rashida Tlaib for some of her anti-Semitic comments. But before we get there, not only has Rashida Tlaib made a lot of anti-Semitic comments out there in public, she said a lot of other crazy stuff as well. And Ilhan Omar, did you see this? Why didn't they get Ilhan Omar on this one too? Take a listen to this. Uh, uh, our, our country should be more fearful um, of, of, of white men across our country because they are actually... Um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. I would say... Uh, uh... Wait, what? White men are causing the most deaths in this country? Oh, my lovely lady, uh, have you been to the south side of Chicago? I'm fairly certain that's not true. This is Representative Cory Bush from Missouri, uh, making bringing great shame to my home state. Of uh, a lack of care and the lack of understanding and a lack of seeing the humanity of folks who look like Rashida Tlaib. It's outrageous that my colleagues are blatantly, blatantly attempting to silence the only Palestinian American representative right here. Um, it's outrageous, but it's not surprising. And let me tell you, it's not surprising because this place is where 1,700 members of Congress, this elected body, enslaved black people. It's not surprising because they thought it was right. It's not surprising because this is a place where members continue to claim that the insurrection on the Capitol just appeared to look like a normal tourist visit. It's not surprising because this is the place where our black and brown staff members repeatedly speak of experiencing racism and sexism, Islamophobia, get pushed off of elevators. Then you forgot misogyny, woman. How could you do that? You got to say racist, biggest, sexist, misogy misogynistic, and the KKK and the and the homophobia and all. Here's Rashida Tlaib herself responding to the move to censure her. And anti-Semitism makes us all less safe and worry that your own child might suffer the horrors that six-year-old Wadiat did in Illinois. I can't believe I have to say this, but pa Palestinian people are not disposable. We need a fainting couch. We are human beings. Just like anyone else. My city, my grandmother, like all Palestinians, just wants to live her life with freedom and human dignity we all deserve. Bullshit. <laughs> she wants to live in freedom. I don't think so. I don't think so, Rashida. I don't think. I, I love it when they use the F word, right? Not that F word, my F word, freedom. You know they don't want to live in freedom. They want to enslave. They want to enslave all of us and live under Islamic fascist theocracy. Speaking up to save lives, Mr. Chair, no matter faith, no matter ethnicity, should not be controversial in this chamber. 
The cries of the Palestinian and Palestinian and Israeli children sound no different to me. Why? What? I don't understand. Is why the cries of Palestinians sound different to you all. We cannot lose our. It's hard to hear the cries of the Palestinian children over the rockets that their parents are firing into peaceful Western nations, isn't it? Here's uh, Rashida Tlaib who got kicked out of an event recently. Take a look at this. This is her. T- this is that was Rashida Tlaib. That the one side of Rashida Tlaib. Let's see the other side of Rashida Tlaib. I will say You're an animal. You're an animal. Get a job. <laughs> One more time. Take a look at this. You guys are crazy. You're an animal. Get a job. You're an animal. Get a job. That is some funny stuff. Here's Ilhan Omar's take on the move to censure Rashida Tlaib. What is true here is that every single one of them has not acknowledged the fact that Palestinians are dying in the tens of thousands, but will continue to say it is us who are not acknowledging humanity. Rashida will stand strong. Gentle ladies, time has expired. Move. It's your fault that they're dying. That's why we think that you are not acknowledging humanity because you are the ones using the children as human shields. We'll continue for liberation until every single time has expired. has the right G- to gentlemen. live. Because this is the place where our black... <laughs> the Democrats. Oh my God, it's sad. <laughs> but you know who's killing the most people in the U.S.? Our, our country should be more fearful um, of, of, of white men across our country because they are actually... Um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. I would say... (laughs) Nah, that's just completely incorrect. I love this video that I saw yesterday. This would have been if if Saturday Night Live was actually still funny. This is an Israeli comedy show that's mocking the queers for Palestine here in the United States. Watch this. So funny. YouTube with Columbia Antisemite News, where everyone is welcome. LGBTQH. H. Hamas. Yeah, I totally sim Hamas. Yeah. It's so trending right now. From the, the river to the, to the sea, Palestine, Palestine will be free. free. Do you know why it's true? <laughs> because it rhymes. <laughs> Just look at all this toxic Zionist my propaganda. Shh. Kidnapped in Gaza? Does this look like Gaza to you? Yeah, bro, I have no idea what Gaza looks like. And they're smiling. Do hostages smile? Sign us liars. Totally sus. <laughs> Do they think we're stupid? Stupid? I major in queer post-colonial astrology. <laughs> Ew. Jews make the world dirty. Yeah. And no, I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm racist fluid. Exactly. And now for a little break from all this activism, we want to say hello to our BFF. Bestie freedom fighter. Abu Fatwa in Gaza. Salam alaikum. Alaikum assalam. And inshallah, Allah will kill you all infidels. Thank you so much for joining us. Love the headpiece, the all oppression chic. Very drip. Mr. Fatwa. Very drip. How are you? Are you safe? 
Oh yes, I'm safe. I'm in a tunnel under the Gaza hospital. Above me, I have Allah and two million civilians protecting me. Community is so important these days. Do you need like humanitarian aid, food, fuel, medicine? It's okay, I have everything. I'm only hungry for rockets. As long as it's organic. Yeah. I wish I just could be there with you. You can. You can come to Gaza anytime and we will throw you from the roof, you homosexual dirt. Do you hear? <laughs> Go and throw me a rooftop party. They are so welcoming and inclusive. So shukran. And you are also very welcome to come here to America. We will come. First we finish with Israel. And America is next. Great! So, I guess we'll see you soon. Yes, it would be a blast. <laughs> Can't wait, it'll be so multicultural. <gasps> yeah, Allah, you are so stupid. Thank you so much, Abu. We love you. I won't even bother killing you. It's a waste of bullets. Good vibes only. Uh, it's better you just kill yourself. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> If you do us, a, would you do us a favor, click that likes and subscribe. We'd be glad to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday again, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. So do me a favor. Uh, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. One listener texted in and says, I watched what Talib said. She didn't say anything wrong. And she feels this personally, and you guys just laugh. Yes, I do. This is very personal to her. I don't care. Not very compassionate. I am not compassionate to terrorist sympathizers. They say citizens in Israel and Palestine are both caught between two extreme governments. Uh, remember that the people of Palestine voted for Hamas. One listener texted in, says, also live with my aging parents. Da, 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 da. Try to submit that. I'll have to read that later. I don't think it's uh, exactly on board of what we're talking about here. One listener says that, um, the reason I, I left a conversation about recent elections, blah, 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 not everything there, perfectly on point. Uh, do us a favor, click that like and subscribe. You can text the show at any time, night or day, 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. One listener did comment and says, you can bet the Democrats were stuffing ballot boxes. They just got caught in Connecticut stuffing ballot boxes. Documentary 2000 Mules showed how the Democrats stuffed ballot boxes and they used strict standards to identify the mules in the documentary. There were far more than 2000 mules. Wake up, America. Yes, absolutely. Wake up, America. Watch the show. The Democrats are stealing the country and we are at the point of no return. That was from Diecast Review, who's joining us here live this morning on Rumble. If you'd like to have your words read on air, you can send us a text today again at 573 319-1586. One listener did say overconfidence will make us lose in 2024. I completely agree. We must absolutely fight as if we are losing because we might be. Uh, Joe Biden was asked about the possibility of a three-day pause, humanitarian pause, between the conflict in Israel and Hamas. Take a listen. Sir, did you ask TV for a three-day pause? 
Can you ask the Prime Minister to withdraw from the three-day pause? You get a chance to talk to him. I did ask him for a pause in the past. Yes, Still waiting here for him. Didn't get a chance to talk to him today. Did ask him for a pause in the past yesterday. What in the hell is the commander chief trying to say? Nathan Bedford Forrest over on the live chat says, ask most of us that served overseas and saw the result of the phony, phony wars on terror and started looking into the why and the lies that wasted over $9 trillion and killed over a million, all for Israel, he says. Well, I am actually going to ask a person who served overseas in the war on terror because we're going to have Josh Smith joining us here in less than five minutes. You don't want to miss it. While on my commercial break and getting Josh Smith on stage for you here, be back in two shakes of a lamb's tail. Check out AP4LibertyShop.com. That's AP, the number four. Go shop around in the shop. I'll be right back with Josh Smith to answer that question for you, Nathan Bedford Forrest, on the Wake Up America show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com. I would say uh, uh, our, our country should be more fearful um, of, of, of white men across our country because they are actually um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Don't forget to click that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. We'd love to have you come back and be our friend. We make a lot of friends over here on the show, and I'm happy to see over 1,700 people joining us live. Thank you, Rumble. Rumble has absolutely transformed me and my wife's small business here at the Wake Up America show, where we run a five-day-a-week live stream here, two hours every Monday through Friday. It's a great way to start your day. We also run an awesome merchandise shop, AP4LibertyShop.com, where we've got all kinds of cool liberty-loving, conservative and libertarian merchandise, shirts, things like that. And if you are a coffee drinker and you love premium coffee, make sure you try our Founding Flavors brand as well. Why buy coffee from companies that hate you? Starbucks, they definitely hate you. Black Rifle Coffee, they threw Kyle Rittenhouse under the bus and said that a lot of their supporters were racists. You'll never hear that from me. I only like you and I only love you and I only use the money that you spend on our shop to fight for economic freedom and personal liberty. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what's going on in the world. You can text the show at 573-319-1586. Again, the Wake Up America show would love to hear from you today. Your thoughts on what's happening in the world at 573-319-1586. Again, one more time. 573-319-1586. Sounds like Josh Smith is running a little late. He says that his Zoom is updating, so we should get him in here in about a minute or two. We're going to talk to Josh Smith. He's a veteran of foreign wars, and he's going to be joining us in here today to talk about his thoughts on the conflict between Israel and Hamas. But for those who might just be joining us last night or this morning, a little bit of bad news from last night. Voters have their voices heard, and it was a big old fat donkey punch. <laughs> no, not that donkey punch. Kentucky voters reelected Governor Andy Bashir, a Democrat in a solidly red state. <clears throat> Mississippi, Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, a Republican, won re-election uh, in, um, in a, another red state. But in Ohio, a big loss for lifers, and that is uh, abortion protections will be enshrined in the state constitution as voters approved ballot measure issue one. It was not a good night for Republicans, especially in Virginia, where Democrats appear to now have a lock on both houses, the Senate 
and the House of Representatives in Virginia, which means that the governor, Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin's agenda is very likely to not be able to get across the finish line. So the big question that I have, especially for many of my libertarian friends who I've been sort of at war with, if you will, over the past few weeks over the conflict in the Middle East, the big question that I have for many of my libertarian friends, which I, I very rarely get a good answer uh, for, is what should Israel's response have been to October 7th? So let's get someone who has some experience in the Middle East on the show. He's running for president of the United States. He's one of my top three picks at the moment right now for president. So I'm glad to have him back on the show here again right now. He's joining us live. Josh Smith. Good morning, Josh. How are you, sir? Good morning, Austin. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Seven thirty is early, but it's not that early. Yeah, I'm trying to try to be more presidential. You know, people keep getting upset with me. If you're running for president of the United States, I imagine wearing a tie and getting up early is going to be on the menu. Um, Absolutely, Josh. uh, What should Israel's response have been on October seventh to the terror attack that murdered their civilians and shot their dogs? Sure, and look, I I know that you and I vehemently disagree on the the bombing of civilian buildings i've talked about it quite frequently i know you watch my twitter i know you see it um mm-hmm. but i i do believe i do believe that they have the right to uh defend themselves i do believe that they have the right to declare war on people who have attacked and murdered their citizens um and uh I, i've been i've been pretty i've tried to be very clear about it that you know i think that they're you know they should have at least tried to have more of a precision ground strike when it comes to hamas and taking out these uh these terrorists that did kill their citizens um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not anti, uh, defending your, your nation. I'm not anti defending your people. Um, but I just, I, I disagree that dropping bombs on civilian buildings is the way to go. Um, Say civilian buildings, of- right. But, but you know, you're, what you really mean is civilians, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, 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 is that, you know, this, this, this unneeded loss of, of, uh, innocent civilian lives. And I know that some people might disagree with me on, you know, what constitutes in, uh, uh, innocence. Um, but I do believe that, you know, if, if somebody's not actively fighting war, and th- this is what I said, I said, you know, when you decide to declare war and, or, or decide to take up a war, you're the one who takes on the, um, you know, the, the negative aspects of that war, you take on the risk. And so you have to be more careful about not killing innocent people, especially children. I mean, it, you know, this is really disheartening. And I know a lot of people say that that's an emotional argument, but it's the truth. I mean, we don't, we don't want dead babies and, um, I don't think anybody wants dead babies. And I think that, you know, if we really think about this in a, in better terms, um, you know, we, we get upset when America does it. Uh, we, we should be upset when Israel does it as well. Do you think Israel wants dead babies? I don't think I don't know that they want dead babies. And I'm not. But, gonna but do you think Hamas do. wants do you think Hamas wants dead babies? I think I, I do believe that Hamas has this martyrdom um, uh, aspect to them. So you they, think Hamas does that, want dead babies, but you think Israel does not want dead babies. I, I, just I don't. Be clear. I am. I am not going to prescribe uh, motives to anybody. I don't know. You're that, not going to prescribe motives know. to terrorists who. I don't know that they want dead babies. Kill babies. I don't. I, I don't know Hamas personally, so I don't know if they want dead Ooh, babies Josh. or not. I don't no. know. I don't it's know. Little, I okay, tell you. Josh, it's a little cringe. All right, let's 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 continue to move on here. Okay. Um, you actually did engage in this kind of warfare. You were on a Navy ship. Tell us a little bit about your military experience and your um, your experience with killing babies. <laughs> well, first of all, as a fuels guy, I fueled and defueled jets. Uh, I worked on the USS Constellation. I joined the military uh, after 9-11, and it was, it was much the same. You know, I wanted to go and protect my countrymen from the evil terrorists. I didn't want them coming after my community. And uh, But the thing about it was that uh, 
you know, we we were told that these were what Pakistan, uh, Saudi nationals via Pakistan that attacked the the, the Twin Towers. Um, and at, at 18 years old, I'm sitting in the middle of the Gulf at war with Iraq. And really, it's what made me a libertarian at the end of the day. Right. That's what that's what gave me my anti-war uh, sentiment was that we were at a, in a war that we were lied into. Um, and a lot of people, innocent people did die. And if you look back from 19, you know, 89, the Iraq war one, um, it, it's a lot of children. I mean, hundreds of thousands of, of innocent people died in Iraq. And, um, you know, it's, you know, for me to atone for that, even though I wasn't personally killing people, but I was a part of the machine that did that. Um, you know, I've spent the last 20 years of my life trying to advocate for these anti-war causes and, and, and hoping that we can find some kind of peace uh in in the world and i think that starts with america because we do have a a foreign policy that is corrupt and and hard to deal with for the rest of the world and um you know and and here i am an american trying to end as many wars as i can so uh between palestine and israel which civilization is more libertarian uh i couldn't tell you buddy i don't know i've never lived in either country uh i do know that i do know that they both Josh, have some seriously Josh, tyrannical Josh. <laughs> Hey, they do. They both have some seriously tyrannical Josh, policies and governments. There's Josh, no doubt about that. Don't dodge Zero doubt. You're going to tell me that you're going to tell me you don't know which which civilization between the Palestinians and the Israelis. You're you know, one side is having dance parties, big gay dance parties on one side. One side throws the other they get the homos off of the roof. Which oh, so, side, you wanna, so if you want to if you want to talk, I mean, if you want to talk about just pure uh religious policy religious uh, yeah, liberty there's, there's, yeah. there's definitely going to be some more freedom in israel there's no doubt about that for for the citizens of israel there's no doubt about that and i'm not and look i want to make it very clear that hamas hamas sucks I do, i'm not a fan of hamas and hamas has also terrorized their own people for many years right right so i, I do hear quite frequently that it is an open-air prison if that's the case wouldn't hamas be the jailers uh, partly, and then the and then the blockade and the and of course the resources are are controlled by Israel as well. So, um, and Hamas doesn't control the resources. In, what in what percentage of the or, actually Hamas does control the resources? I, I'm I'm well, sure you sure. probably listen. I'm yeah. sure that you probably heard my debate with Dave Smith where I had to correct him on the uh, the water rights that are there. You probably I have, I have not listened to that debate. You, you might have you, you <laughs> might have missed out on me having to correct his very highly emotional arguments about the Israel cutting off water to Gaza. Israel controls six percent of the water that goes into Gaza. The rest of the water that's there is uh, controlled by Hamas. Hamas has actually prevented the creation of water wells. Uh, what about the electricity? Yeah. Israel controls the electricity. 100%. They control a, a, they, again another minority position, and they sure seem to be having a lot of electricity electricity that they're using there to screen uh, footage uh, of the mass murders that they engaged in. And they've got their cell phones lit up, and they're burning electricity like crazy. So they so if you actually look, the the majority of electricity is controlled there again by Hamas, but controlled by Hamas again. They are the jailers there. Uh, it, it just. My beef here, Josh, is that it, it just seems like there's a lot of intellectual dishonesty in order to serve an ideology. And it's like, I, I want to be a libertarian, but I also want the facts to be correct first, right? Like, if, if you can't just change facts in order to fit an ideology, that's not how the world works. Sure, but I'm not, I, I, I am not here to, to argue on whether all the facts are correct or not. My, my main concern is dead innocent people, and I, I would love to see that stop. Now, to take it a step further, I'm an American. I'm worried about American foreign policy. I want America out of it. I don't want any money spent on more boots on the ground. I do believe that the West knows that if we put boots on the ground in Palestine, that it's going to 
up our increase our our uh, chance of terror attacks in the West. That will help them get the war that they want with Iran. I think that our, the West has been pushing for this war for a long time, um, and I'm more worried about that than anything because I I know that you know we've been in these endless wars in the Middle East as Americans for for many many years, and it's time for that to stop. It's not is it interventionist. To the, to the is it an is it interventionist for us to spend American resources to secure American hostages? If American that hostage, facial how, expression how, says a lot more than the words you're using I know. this morning, Josh. I, it's, well, it's you know I'm not I'm not against you know some kind of and and you know they're going to use this as a clip against me, but I'm not Sorry. against getting our getting our hostages back. And I think that you know some kind of uh, some kind of you know precision ground troop to get our 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 uh, our American citizens back is not out of the question. But actually going there and helping with the war. Is got to be out of the question for the American public. What is it? What does it mean to be a neocon? Oh boy, there's so it's it's so conflated conflated now. But you know, it's it's perceived in in our circles, especially as a uh, interventionist Republican, somebody who doesn't want to just conserve uh, American dollars and American lives, but also send American troops to die around the world. And that's that's really what it's been used as for the you know since the John McCain and George Bush era, as far as I can tell. Is someone a neocon if they morally side with Israel in the conflict, but don't think that American money or troops should be sent and spent in the conflict in the Middle East, meaning that the, they don't think that the United States should be involved, that they should stay out of the conflict, but they do morally support one side or another. Does that make someone a neocon? No, I think neoconservatism is, is, is actually trying to send American troops to die in foreign wars. I think that okay. that's the the biggest uh, detail, in my opinion, when it comes to the American neocons, at least. And you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that Israel's Zionist government isn't uh, neoconservative in in some aspects, but American the Americans are typically uh, when you know when a politician wants to send our troops to die in foreign wars that aren't needed that don't benefit American public. Got it. I'd like to switch topics here for a little bit about talk about your presidential run. If you're just tuning in live, 2,000 of you are. Good morning. Welcome. Big audience for you today, Josh. Glad to have all of our friends joining us here today. Make sure you click like and subscribe to the channel if you want to come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the Wake Up America show. Now, I am not endorsing anyone for President of the United States just yet. I've been keeping an eye on things. I will say that Josh Smith does seem to be the most reasonable presidential candidate out of all of the Libertarian Party candidates, but there does seem to be that the establishment of the Libertarian Party as it is now, which is a different establishment than it was when I ran in 2016, seemed to have the knives out for Josh Smith. How is the Libertarian Party doing these days? Uh, recruitment, numbers, fundraising, and things like that. How's the party in general doing? And then we'll sidestep and we'll talk about your campaign. Sure, not very good. I, I would say not very good. And And, you know, I fought, I've been fighting since you ran for president, essentially, to change the, uh, the, the national committee, to change the state parties, to try and get a more libertarian, hardcore libertarian uh, perspective going on there. You know, it was, I was a big Nick Sarwark fan, right, in 2016, if you can believe that. Uh, I, I saw his speech about your tears are delicious and your parties will die, and I was like, yeah, this guy's awesome. And uh, then I watched him start attacking my heroes like Ron Paul and Eric July and Dave Smith and a lot of a lot of great people, people that I that have helped me shape my opinion of the world. And uh, so I started running for chair in 2018. And 
you know, we didn't have anybody. Nobody had our backs. Nobody. We were a small minority and we were loud and we fought hard. And in, you know, circa 2022, we take the national committee and I, I'm like, yes, this is finally what we wanted. We did it. Um, unfortunately, there, the work on that committee by some uh, people ha- has, has faltered to a point where uh, donations are way down. Membership is way down. Um, the party is not doing well nationally. Uh, and part of the reason I'm running for president is because I want to bring a lot of those people that are that are jaded after the takeover in 2022. I'm bringing them back to the table because they they wanted something to be excited about. They wanted to see the work after the takeover, and they weren't seeing that. So now we have a campaign that's doing exactly the things we said we were going to do. We've been on Tim Pool twice. We're going on PBD. We're going on Sean Ryan. We will get on Joe Rogan. I mean, we're doing all the things that they wanted out of a candidate. And so hopefully we bring enough people back to the table that we can uh, excite them again and, and get those numbers back up. And, you know, it, usually at this time, there's a huge um, uh, raise in membership and, and, and donations for, com- for the upcoming presidential race. And we hadn't seen that. So, you know, I'm hoping that changes and I'm hoping that we do. The Mises, get the caucus, the Mises caucus, who, uh, who were the leaders of the takeover these days, they seem to they, they were your friends at once. Now they seem to have turned against you. They're supporting another presidential candidate, someone who I wasn't familiar with until just this year. What's going on? Why, why do you seem to be the most Mises guy who's running, at least from what I've been able to tell? Why are they opposing you? Yeah. I, so here's the thing. The, the you know, the, the national leadership for the caucus has uh, stepped so far away from the membership of the caucus, the, the rank and file members of the caucus that, A, they've lost a lot of caucus members. B, they really don't know what the, 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 the pulse of those people are when it comes to this stuff. And, um, you know, there's a reason why we're winning every poll. There's a reason why we, we have the support. There's a reason why the campaign team is so big and we have so many people doing wonderful things. It's because those, those members are still with us. And so, um, you know, to me, it looks, it looks to me and like a lot of other people that the caucus leadership of, of the Mises caucus um, really wanted that treasure chest at the end of the campaign. And they've talked very openly about this. They want that email list. They want the, the money. They want the, they basically want to run the table again for another, you know, at least four years. And um, they feel like with me, for some reason, even though I've been helping the caucus since 2017, they feel uh, they feel for some reason that I wouldn't give them those things. And I've been very clear that I'm more than happy to share data, I'm more than happy to hire people from the caucus. And I have hired people on my campaign from the caucus. Um, and so it doesn't really make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And I think that's what's kind of throwing a lot of people off when it comes to the caucus is they're seeing you know, Rechtenwald, who's a, who's a nice guy. I mean, I have nothing bad to say about Rechtenwald as a person, but you know, his, his, uh, his kind of change over the years doesn't really fit in with what the caucus has been talking about running. And so, um, we're just giving them that other option and hopefully they come around and, and we get that, we get in the general in, in 2024 and we make some waves and, you know, that's the goal. That's really the big goal. And I have nothing bad to say about the caucus. I'm still an, I'm still a Mises guy. I'm always going to be a Mises guy. Yeah, again, I don't know much about this Rechtenwald character, uh, and I know a lot of my good friends are still there in the LP trying to do a lot of good work, and I I wish them the best. Um, You got in trouble with some of them, though, uh, when you said on this show that you thought it was okay that the CIA assassinated Che Guevara. Uh, Have you changed your mind about that? Well, so I didn't actually, I want to make it clear, and they they the clip, everybody was like crazy about this. I specifically said that Che needed to go, and you know, had I had I been in a better place and and not so tongue in cheek, I probably would have brought up like the letters of, of Marquis and reprisal, like Ron Paul, and said, 
you know, and here's here's what a lot of people don't talk about is that the CIA actually didn't kill Che Guevara. A foreign they government. Led, they, they led the killers to Che Guevara. Right. And they the were CIA there to ensure that the cleanup one, was there. Yeah, the CIA sent one man, one single man to track Che Guevara, and then a, a foreign government actually killed him. Now, I, I think Che was really bad for the world and was really harming the world. I really believe that. And and probably he needed to go. Had I been the president, I probably would have looked into something more like the, the letters of Marquis and reprisal. I think but that Ron Paul was right about that. That's still statist. Uh, and that's sure, still, yes, that's, still in, that's still interventionist. I guess you could call it that. Yeah, it is. Sure. Right. I, and, 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 and people, you know, people will cut that and, and do what they want. But look, and what about Pinochet? Point, what about Pinochet throwing communists from helicopters? I, I think that that was, you know, I don't, I, first of all, I don't know much about that specific conflict. I do know, you know, that Pinochet is a meme and a lot of the right libertarians love to use it as a I'll meme. just break it down um, for you. Uh, Augusto yeah. Pinochet uh, took over uh, uh, the from the communist regime. He initiated a, a coup. He took over. He threw communists out of helicopters. Uh, he didn't engage in due process. And for every communist that he threw out of helico uh, helicopter, the GDP went up by a certain percentage point. <laughs> and and is, he there, also, is there is there truth to that? Yes. And he also privatized the utilities there, uh, resulting in what they called the Chilean economic miracle. Uh, Milton Friedman and the Chicago boys gathered together an economic team down there and put uh, economists to work, libertarian economists to work right. based on the Chicago monetarist policies that were crea created by Milton Friedman. And they rev completely revived and revitalized the Ar Argentinian economy. But you know how they did so? They did so by th through intervention and the initiation of force. Your thoughts? Was it uh, so? Uh, first of all, are you talking about American intervention? Did we? Did I'm talking about American it? Chicago school economic professors going down to support the uh, dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet, uh, who brutally murdered his communist opponents and deregulated the water utilities by force. Well, I don't. I don't think that that's American interventionism. A, a ton of economists went down to to um, uh, uh, El Salvador to help them get onto that Bitcoin. Uh, legal tender as well. I don't think that's interventionism. I think that's helping another economy grow um, by by giving you know pointers. And uh, I think I, when I when I speak of interventionism, I'm talking about regime toppling uh, through American force. I'm talking about those kind of things. So uh, to me, that's different. I, I I think that Americans going down there and helping. Do you out think? Do you agree? Do you think different. that if? Do you think that if the United States were to stop its spy uh, activities in the world, do you think that if we abolish the CIA? Uh, the NSA. Do you think if we abolished many of our foreign uh, agencies, do you think that other countries would uh, all do the same? Do you think China and Russia would stop intervening here in the United States? Probably not. No, no. So would it? Wouldn't if if it is true that the Russian intelligence agencies and the Chinese intelligence agencies are constantly meddling, meddling and intervening in our affairs here in the United States, that we should have some kind of institutions dedicated to counteracting that? I don't know. I can't give you that answer. I, I think I think that, you know, if we could look it's to okay another to market. Yes. Here's the thing. You're, the, you're never going to win a libertarian purity test, Josh. You're oh, I know. For, I know. You're, I for, you're not running far, for president of the libertarians. Out. And I know you got to win yeah. the primary. But just yeah. remember that what you say here and what you do so and what you do here, and the promises and the pledges that you make in the coming year will weigh heavy on you. I'll tell you this, Josh, sure. that I made a lot of pledges and promises when I ran in 2016, not to the libertarians, but to the American people. And although they were they there was no requirement for them to be fulfilled, I still remember the the promises and the pledges that I made because you're not running to be president of libertarians. You're running to be president of the United States. Oh, I, I'm fully aware. And and I and I've been very clear about what my actual logical plans are. You know, I and 
the, the and we've talked about this and Vivek talks about this and other other you know great presidential candidates talk about this that the president actually doesn't have the power to abolish uh, these agencies. That's not something that the president can do. You can urge Congress, you know, but it takes an act of Congress. But I do believe that a lot of these agencies are way overly inflated when, especially when it comes to the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the IRS. I mean, definitely the IRS. Would we hire eighty-seven thousand new agents for what? To bother middle-class dads that are raising children? It's crazy to me. So, like, so, like, you know, when it comes to the CIA, when it comes to the FBI, I would, I would lay off a huge portion of that workforce. And then get down to a point where they are now pointed at the things they were supposed to be built to protect, you know, FBI going after interstate um, uh, uh, sex traders and and uh, interstate serial killers, the things they were supposed they were born to do um, and and then see from there what we could do. If Congress sees that they're useless after that, then Congress can make that decision. But as a presidential candidate, I only promise to remove the workforce back down to what these agencies were meant to do in the in the in the in the beginning like that uh josh uh be proud of who you are uh you've done nothing to be ashamed of in your past as a matter of fact you've served this country honorably and well more than i have more than many people have and more than your critics in the libertarian party have now you seek the highest office in the land like many military veterans have in the past you're one of the few people that can go and stand at arlington cemetery amongst the graves of your brothers and sisters and can reflect on their sacrifice and understand and be knowledgeable about what they have gone through. The generations of American dead and wounded who have sacrificed in order to ensure that American liberty will endure. You're going to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortunes in the next year, but you should be proud of who you are, be strong, and remember, no matter how much they try and shame you, or no matter how much they try and contradict you, or no matter how, no matter how much metaphorical acid they throw in your face, that you've done a great service to your country and we appreciate it very much is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go sure and i want to be clear before before we get off uh i joined for very noble reasons i wanted to protect my american uh people and my family and my friends my my biggest concern is the mission and of the corrupt mission of iraq and that was that was what i wanted to atone for i don't i don't want to make it you know out to seem like i hate all military uh uh, uh soldiers and, and sailors and, and airmen I don't. I think that you probably joined for noble reasons and want to do something right. So um, go follow me on Twitter at Joshua at large. Of course, check out the campaign website at joshuasmith2024.com. Uh, you can find out many ways to help us there. There you go, Josh Smith. He's running to break this system against two establishments at once. Boy, talk about David and Goliath there. Josh, thanks for your time today. We wish you the best of luck. Come back and join us again real soon. Thanks a lot, Austin. Have a good one. Thanks very much. We think of Josh Smith. Send us a text at 573 573- 319-1586. If you're suspected of domestic violence, let me ask you this. Should you lose your gun rights? Well, the Supreme Court might be willing to say, eh, maybe. That Supreme Court, our Supreme Court, the conservative Supreme Court might be willing to take away gun rights from people who haven't committed a crime or at least are just suspected. That's the talk when we get back with Judge Napolitano on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. The man with himself... Judge Andrew Napolitano. Good morning, Judge. Uh, good morning, Austin. Thank you again for your generous introduction. It's uh, it's also the highlight of my week, uh, in part because of our happy, long-time, long-term, lifelong professional relationship, and in part because of the seriousness uh, of what we discuss. Absolutely, Judge. And I, you always uh, make me think about things from a way that, I, that, that surprised me. 
you know, I, I know you quite well because of our time working together and because I've read, you know, everything you've ever written, all of your books, Theodore and Woodrow, A Nation of Sheep. Uh, you know, if uh, if there was anyone in the world whose books I've read more, I maybe it's Stephen King. But in, in the in the realm of in, in the realm of what you learned from Stephen King, <laughs> in the realm of nonfiction, Judge, yours uh, yours reigns supreme. I, I'd like to talk to you about this touchy case with the Supreme Court in regards to gun rights compared to domestic violence restraining orders. Supreme Court justices on Tuesday appear inclined to uphold the legality of a federal law that makes it a crime for those people who are under domestic violence restraining orders to have guns. This is a touchy subject, Judge, and it's one that really inspires people's passions. What is this case, and how should we look at this? Well, it's an unusual case uh, because the, uh, the, the defendant was the subject of the restraining order said yesterday before the oral argument in the Supreme Court he's withdrawing his application for the gun. Now that means there's no case or controversy before them. And when there's no case or controversy before them, there's no case. This has happened uh, before. Sometimes it happens after oral argument. The parties come to a settlement and it literally divests the Supreme Court of Jurisdiction. But the underlying issue, of course, is whether or not uh, an adjudication uh, that a person engaged in domestic violence, which is not a criminal adjudication, can result in their loss of liberty. And the short answer to that is, if the Supreme Court believed what it, the Supreme Court, said, it's an obvious no, that can't happen. Because in the Heller case, Justice Scalia, without saying natural rights, referred to the right to keep and bear arms, the pre-political right, a code phrase, a secular phrase for natural rights. The right is not a gift from the government. It's not a good to be purchased. It's a human right. And the government can't take that human right away unless you waive it by your behavior, typically by engaging in a crime and being convicted of the crime and having the, uh, by a jury and have the conviction upheld. That's not what happened here. Uh, what happened here was an adjudication by a judge, not a jury, in a civil context, matrimonial, not criminal, that this guy engaged uh, in domestic violence. I was scandalized at some of the things that the justices said yesterday, because it's obvious that they don't believe that the right to keep and bear arms is a natural right. This is what happens uh, when you drop the natural law and consider the government as the highest uh, power there is on the planet, and the government as the giver of gifts, which it can then uh, take away. Uh, some of the oral argument was just reprehensible. It's hard to believe that these people even read, much less uh, understood, uh, Justice Scalia in uh, the Heller case. So I'm not optimistic uh, about this. First of all, the Supreme Court ruled a year and a half ago that gun laws are for the states because the feds had no gun laws in 1791 when the uh, Second Amendment was ratified. And the standard today is, what was the general public understanding of the right to keep and bear arms at the time of the ratification of the Second Amendment? So right off the bat, there should be no federal law. Secondly, there was no domestic violence prohibition at the time. 
Thirdly, this is a natural right, and so it can't be taken away except under the circumstances which I've characterized, none of which is present. Now, Judge, this is a, a obviously a topic of emotional concern for people around the nation because they assume that if someone is to receive a restraining order, that is because they have shown some penchant for danger towards one person. So is, is it, are you of the belief that the justices may be giving in to some form of you know, emotional blackmail that's being pushed on them from the American people? Are they, are they reacting to politics and emotion rather than um, you know, doing what's right according to the law? Well, if they uphold this federal statute, they will obviously be uh, reacting uh, to emotion. None of them uh, has been a state judge. None of them has been in a state court because the federal courts don't hear these uh, domestic violence cases. None of them realize the circumstances under which these uh, restraints uh, are imposed. Uh, it can be something as bad but essentially temporary as a slap in the face. Literally, slapping the spouse in the face can result in a, a restraining order. Now, should this person lose the right to protect his life, his still spouse's life, their children's life because of this one misbehavior, again, which wasn't adjudicated criminally, which wasn't even charged criminally because it's such a low-level crime, the prosecutors wouldn't waste their time uh, prosecuting it. Uh, it seems as though the short answer to that is yes, again, because the members of the court don't understand the origins of human liberty. I don't want to sweep broadly against all of them, but Justice Barrett and the Chief Justice Kavanaugh, you, you know my opinion of him, um, I don't know what he's read or what he understands, but the other two certainly understand what natural rights are, but you wouldn't know it from the oral argument yesterday. Justice Thomas understands it, and Justice Gorsuch uh, understands it. So I don't know where this is going to go. The statute says irresponsible and dangerous. Irresponsible. The federal government is going to, the most irresponsible entity on the planet is going to decide who's irresponsible and therefore is not entitled uh, to keep and bear arms. It's a, it's a tragedy. Uh, for human liberty if this thing ends up the way it seems it will. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. I'm speaking with my good friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano, who's joining us here. He joins us every Wednesday here on the show at 8 a.m. Central Time. We like to call it Big Brain Time. Don't forget to click that like button and subscribe to the channel that you're watching right now, especially if you're enjoying the content, so you can come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. What I recommend you do is to do what a lot of people do and to set a calendar appointment, either on your phone, your Google Calendar, or what have you, to remind you, let you know that the judge comes and joins us here every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Central Time. It's a great way to start your day and to get informed about what's going on in the world. Judge, just sort of a, a random question related to this, um, you know, from a position of a libertarian viewpoint or a natural law, do you think that restraining orders should even exist? Do you think that restraining orders are a good thing? Are, are they in line with libertarian views? They're not because, uh, again, they, uh, they purport to regulate behavior in the past rather than punish, in the future rather than punish behavior uh, in the past. 
they're they're an out uh, for uh, for judges so that the pressure is no longer on them. Well, I did everything I could. I signed a restraining order. You know, a, a, a person determined to engage in violence is not going to stop because of a piece of paper, no matter who signs uh, the piece of paper. Uh, but a person who was the likely target of violence should have the right to defend themselves using, now I'm paraphrasing Justice Scalia, the modern mechanical means, the same means that the bad guys and the government uses, meaning whatever firearms uh, they can uh, acquire. Yeah, I'll give you a little aside on firearms. Uh, the uh, government of Israel has uh, requested from the United States government a gift of $34 million for 27,000 rifles. The rifles are machine guns, unlawful for any American to own. And the federal government is going to sell the, not sell them, give these things to Israel to give to settlers in the West Bank. You ever fired a machine gun? I mean, you'd have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime to do so accurately. The blowback is so uh, severe and uh, overwhelming. It's impossible. Well, I have fired a machine gun. Have you, Judge? Yes, in the military, I fired a machine gun, so I know what it's like. What kind of machine gun did you fire? Oh, God. Austin, this was before you were born. This was the basic training, Fort Knox, Kentucky, uh, 1970. I have no idea what it was. I just remember trying to control it. It wasn't 50 caliber. I, I th but are the machine guns I'm that they're sure sending? I'm sure it was 50 caliber. I'm well, sure if the it was. It had, it had a belt. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so belt fed. Okay. So if if it, if they're sending them belt fed machine guns, they probably will mount them on something. But if they're sending them M16 machine guns, the recoil is actually not so bad on those because they only fire a small round of of 556 caliber. Now, if they were sending them, you know, chain guns or something like that, then yeah, you'd you'd have to be a lot bigger to be able to wield something like that. But uh, the, I think your point is is the most important thing here because we deserve those machine guns here at home. That's our money. Course, those should be course. my machine guns. So the federal government takes away a right, a natural right from every human being to defend yourself using modern mechanical means, Scalia in the Heller uh, case, uh, but allows U.S. manufacturers to sell those uh, uh, modern means uh, to foreign governments, actually not sell them to foreign governments, sell them to the U.S. government, which will give them to foreign governments, which will give them to illegal settlers who will use them to kill the people whose land they stole. Follow it? Yes. Uh, Barney Stiles, by the way, in the chat, probably has it correct when he says that what you probably shot was an M60 machine gun, uh, a.k.a. the pig, which I think that that's what my dad actually carried. You guys were in the military right around the same time. So uh, anyways, I'd like to uh, move on to another topic here very briefly, Judge. The 14th the Amendment... The pig, they call it the pig, yes. Um, right. the, the 14th Amendment challenges to Trump's candidacy are likely Supreme Court bound. There's a very good chance a lower court rules against Trump. What is this about, Judge? Well, the 14th Amendment, which is uh, ratified in 1868, uh, which the southern states accepted with a gun to their head, which New Jersey and Ohio rescinded their ratification after they ratified it, but Congress counted the ratification anyway. 
There's a book written by a former boss of mine, no longer living, Alfred Avens. He was the dean of Delaware Law School. The, the book is about six inches thick, and it's the history of the 14th Amendment. Put aside all the historical questions about whether it was ever truly ratified. It's part of the Constitution. And there's a clause in there that was written to prevent um, those who had engaged uh, in a rebellion, those who supported or fought for the Confederacy in the war between the states from becoming officials of the federal government. So the, the post-Civil War. So the, the, the clause reads, whoever has taken an oath of loyalty or an oath to the Constitution and then engaged in insurrection or supported an insurrection uh, shall not be entitled to seek federal office. In the 50 years following that ratification, there was no proof in a courtroom required to strike the person's name from the ballot. It was, uh, we all know that Johnny wore a confederal, Confederate uniform. We all know that Susie gave, well, women couldn't run for office. Susie's a bad example. We all know that Jimmy uh, gave his own personal ammunition to the Confederacy. So those two guys can't run. And that was enough to keep them off the ballot. But in the modern era, where we have more sensitivity to due process, taking away life, liberty, or property without a trial, it is inconceivable to me that a person could lose their right to be on the ballot because of what a newspaper said about them or what a grand jury said about them. That would have to be proof beyond a reasonable doubt in a courtroom. So that's what this, um, the two cases, one's in Minnesota, one's in Colorado, that's what these judges are attempting to, to ascertain. The one in Minnesota hasn't been tried yet. The issue is before the Minnesota Supreme Court as to whether they will permit a trial. The one in Colorado, the trial is over. It looks like the judge is going to keep Trump's name off the ballot in Colorado in 2024. This will then go to a Colorado appeals court and then to the Colorado Supreme Court and then presumably to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, I think the U.S. Supreme Court will follow the modern rule, which is no deprivation of liberty without due process. Has Trump had due process? No, absolutely not. Uh, the, the evidence against him uh, has not been tested uh, before a jury uh, in a criminal court. It's all hearsay. He said this, he did that, he looked this way, he looked uh, that way. That is, may have been sufficient in, in 1868 to keep somebody off the ballot, but it's not sufficient in 2024. Judge, I love this. I, I, uh, this is such a great conversation and nobody can do it better than you. And uh, I'm about to delve into a couple of historical precedents of questions that all, these are the types of conversations that only you and I can have. I'd like to talk to you, one, about Hamilton and the Federalist Papers. Uh, and then I'd like to talk to you, two, about uh, uh, Augusto Pinochet and Milton Friedman in the 1970s. Let's start with the argument that Ale Alexander Hamilton made in the Federalist Papers uh, when he talked about the reason for creating a federal union, creating the federal government such as it is. One of the arguments, and of course, you know, I've read Thomas DiLorenzo's criticisms of, uh, of Alexander Hamilton, and, and certainly I'm much more Jeffersonian than Hamiltonian. But one of the arguments that he made in the Federalist Papers that I found very compelling in regards to a union of states rather than a confederation of states 
was the argument that if the states were separate and if we were more balkanized, if you will, here in the United States, that these states would be more willing to go to war with one another. And when I look at the the attitude that I'm a Missourian, we have a lot of bad blood with Kansas. A lot of that has to do with John Brown and slavery, and there's a rivalry between our sports, sports teams that exists still today. And there is a lot of rancor that goes on between these two states, right? Between, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, if you will, right? The, the argument that Alexander Hamilton made, which I found to be compelling from a libertarian perspective for union was to say that if this was a united nation, rather than a divided one, then we wouldn't be engaged in the wars of Europe, such as they are, as they are a multiple multitude of divided nations. There's some truth to that, isn't there? No, there's no truth to that. It's because of the Union being indissoluble that we had a civil war. Those states had every right to leave. If a legislature voluntarily joins the Union, the legislature can voluntarily uh, leave it. It was the compulsion insisted upon by the maniacal dictator Abraham Lincoln that resulted in 750,000 uh, deaths. Most people um, are multidimensional, and even the worst people occasionally said good things. I cannot even say that about Alexander Hamilton, one of the worst human beings that ever lived in terms of the liberty of the, human be of the individual uh, versus uh, the value uh, of the state. He did say some decent things about an independent judiciary, but it's hard for me to believe that he meant it. Well, I see the reason why I bring things like this up is because you'll frequently find libertarians on both sides of many of these issues. As a matter of fact, you, you, I mean, you must have poisoned the well with me here because you introduced me to Lou Lehrman, for example, who, uh, who is with us 100% when it comes to, you know, he's very Jeffersonian in regards to monetary policy. But he disagrees with you very vehemently about Abraham Lincoln and, and makes arguments that, you know, that, that the war was foisted upon Lincoln and that Lincoln, you know, played the best hand he could because he was dealt a bad, a bad hand. And of course, the, the South did fire first on Fort Sumter. But I mean, there are good faith arguments that can be made on both sides of these things, are there not? No. I mean, saying the South fired first on Fort Sumter is like saying the Japanese started World War II at uh, Pearl Harbor. FDR manipulated them into it, coaxed them into it, and knew it was happening, just like Lincoln manipulated the South by loading Fort Sumter up with cannons aimed at Charleston, South Carolina. Can you imagine if the federal government today put uh, cannons off the Jersey Shore and aimed them at Trenton? What would Trenton do? Just accept it or neutralize the cannons? Different mentality, uh, different mentality uh, today. There's no justification. Uh, for the war between the states based on uh, morality or liberty of the human being. It wasn't fought to save uh, slavery. It was fought to aggrandize power uh, in Washington, D.C. But to say that it wasn't fought over slavery is to ignore Harper's Ferry. It's to ignore the abolitionist movement of the United States. It's, it's to ignore bleeding Kansas that I mentioned earlier before, and to the antagonization. It's to annoy the, the Fugitive Slave Act, right? It's, it's to uh, ignore Dred Scott. The Civil War was about slavery because the violence that had been going on in the United States for the hundred years after the American Revolution was primarily abolitionist versus uh, pro-slavery forces. Well, then why did Lincoln propose as a 13th uh, Amendment the constitutionalization uh, of slavery, which is the Corwin Amendment, which would have made it uh, absolutely uh, constitutional? 
And why did you why does the uh, Emancipation Proclamation expressly preserve slavery uh, in the border uh, states? Uh, it was fought over uh, tariffs and it was fought over over federal uh, power. Uh, the idea of doing something to save the slaves was a military concoction to liberate the slaves so that they would fight against uh, the South. Look, slavery is condemnable, but there would have been a lot less expensive ways uh, to have ended it than the slaughter of 750,000 uh, people. I agree. But if, for example, you, you and I uh, are, are arranged into a political agreement together, and you hold people as chattel slaves in your basement, and you decide to dissolve our political agreement, I would let you go. But if you keep people in human chains, then your slaves have to remain here with me, I would say, would be the libertarian perspective. You can't take your slaves with you, because these are human beings that deserve the same individual rights and autonomy as the rest of us. So if you fight to stop me from freeing your slaves, then I believe that you would, I would have the right to kill you in order to defend their lives, their innocent lives, because you as a slaveholder are an initiator of force. Is that not true? No, it is not true. It is not true unless you want to go around the world looking for monsters to slay, whether they're in Atlanta or in Moscow. But it's not around the world. This is, this is our nation. They were a nation together. I would say it would be right to buy up their slaves if they would sell them, but they wouldn't ah, sell them. Ah, that, that's entirely different because that doesn't involve violence. Absolutely would have been right to buy it. The Fifth Amendment contemplates, I disagree with this, but the Fifth Amendment contemplates the condemnation of property to the Southerners. Human uh, slaves were property. They could have been condemned, paid for, and uh, liberated. But, but that, if they wouldn't let would them go. Have, but if they would, would not, not let have, them go, if they would not sell them, if they would not give them up, then what? I don't know the answer to that. But I'm not in favor of uh, a federal uh, bloodshed. Uh, against Americans. And, you know, the Civil War was the worst, most tragic, violent uh, confrontation in the history of the world. It was the first time uh, that a government uh, attacked civilians. It was the first time that a government slaughtered uh, its own. And as a result of it, Abraham Lincoln is deified as if he's the fourth person of the Blessed Trinity. He was a monster, the highest sort. Yeah. See now, and these and everything that you said, I said to Lou Lehrman back in the green room at Fox, and we had these exact same conversations and debates. Yeah. But I never, I never got to pose these questions to you back in the day because we well, were. I love, always... I love, uh, I love Lou. Lou is a uh, Catholic convert and a daily communicant and and a terrific human being, but he's blind when it comes to Abraham Lincoln. Blind. <laughs> <laughs> Not partially blind, totally blind. I love these conversations, Judge. These are big brain conversations, <laughs> and I wish that we had more time to talk about them. I, wouldn't, I, I want to talk to you about Augusto Pinochet. I don't have time, unfortunately, especially because I want to give you the opportunity to share with us who you have coming up on your awesome show, Judging Freedom, and preview for us your weekly column. I have uh, ex-military intelligence Tony Schaefer at 11 this morning on why American diplomacy has failed in Ukraine and failed uh, in Israel. I have ex-CIA Phil Giraldi at 3 o'clock this afternoon. These are Eastern times uh, on why Israel is committing war crimes and uh, there'll be no uh, prosecution for them.
My column today is on unconstitutional killings, <laughs> almost what you and I were just talking about in theory. Presidents killing people from George W. to Barack uh, Obama to Donald Trump to Joe Biden to Ukraine to Gaza and why we accept it today and why nobody questions its constitutionality and why it will only continue to get worse. And how did it start? It started in August of 1945 when Harry Truman decided to murder, murder innocent Japanese civilians on a Sunday morning. Judge Andrew Napolitano, the host of the Judging Freedom podcast and no fan of Abraham Lincoln. If you wanna hear more of that commentary, make sure you like or and subscribe Harry to Truman. his. Or Harry Truman's as well, Missouri's only president. Um, Your and, fellow uh, Missourian. That's right. And visit his website at judgenap.com. Judge, we look forward to speaking to you next week. And don't let me forget, I want to talk to you very much about Milton Friedman and Augusto Pinochet next week, okay? You got it, Austin. All the best. Have a great one. Thank you, Judge. Have a wonderful day. What do you think of Judge Andrew Napolitano? Let's give him a round of applause. You can text the show at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. 319-1586. Take a look at this. This is Caleb Williams sobbing with his family after losing a football game. Here he is. He's jumped into the stands with his mother. And he's crying after this game that he lost. What are your thoughts on that? Football man cries the loss of his game. Hmm. I need some experts on this one. Let's speak to Mike and Derek of the Making Bread and Butter and Hose College Football Gambling Podcast. Joining us next on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. was 1946. A battle was fought, not overseas, but right here on American soil. The Battle of Athens, an intense struggle against election fraud and for the rights promised by our founding fathers. Driven by the Second Amendment, ordinary citizens stood tall and fought back. Help us expose this momentous battle of integrity and bravery. Your support can make a difference. Visit givesendgo.com slash bleedamerican and pledge your support because we believe in the power of truth the strength of unity, and the spirit of we the people. Let us not forget, we bleed American. Fire.
this is Barack Obama, and let me tell you why Austin Peterson stinks and you should never pay attention to anything that he has to say. First of all, he's a libertarian, and we all know libertarians are idiots. They don't realize how important government is to everything that we do. I recently became aware that Austin has opened up a libertarian shop at apeforlibertyshop.com. Now, I'm asking you as a personal favor to me that you never, ever visit apforlibertyshop.com. With all of the great Liberty merchandise there, the last thing that we need to do is to get people spread. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad to have you here. All thousand of you. Do me a favor, would you? Click that like button. Subscribe to the channel if you've been enjoying the content you're hearing this morning. It's nice to see so many new names and faces in the chat. It's awesome to have you here. We'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Wake Up America Show streams live. It's a great way to start your day, have a little coffee, maybe a little eggs and bacon, and listen to the news from a perspective of economic freedom and personal liberty. That's what we're all about here on this show. We talk about social issues as well. It's not all about Abraham Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation and Augusto Pinochet and all this stuff from the 1970s. We talk about current events. Sometimes we talk about the social issues as well. And every once in a while, we even dive into sports. Take a look at this video of a college football player. Loses his football game, jumps into the stands, sits there, grabs a hold of his mommy. See his shoulders there kind of shaking up and down. Appears to be in tears. Uh, yeah, there he goes. Kind of hitching and coughing and crying. This is Caleb Williams sobbing with his family after losing the game. Now, the man who posted this says this will break your heart. Um, I don't know. I guess not everybody agreed with that because a lot of people were like, man up, weenie. And quite frankly, you know, since I don't watch college football, I need some experts on this. Thank God. There are some Liberty lovers out there who do watch sports. As a matter of fact, I got two guys right now, Mike and Derek from the Making Bread and Buttering Hose podcast joining us live right now. What's up, gentlemen? What's going on, Austin? How you doing, guys? Say, it is absolutely an honor to come on after Judge Napolitano giving us Alexander, Alexander Hamilton quotes and pro-Confederate talking points. How great was that? <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. We love having it, uh, the genius. judge on. Yeah, go oh ahead. Oh, my goodness. Love him. Uh, also, good. too, Austin, I got this sick shirt. It's 100% <laughs> cotton. No soy boy beta cup. Uh, it's from AP Liberty Shop, AP4LibertyShop.com. How sick is this shirt right here? Look at that. Uh, yes, no lives that. matter. Yes, those did very well Halloween. Uh, guys, I'm glad to have you here from the Making Bread and Buttering Host podcast. You're also here on Rumble as well. So yes, I am we are. Yes, I am highly encouraging all of our listeners who are joining us this morning to make sure that they click like and subscribe over on the podcast as well, the Making Bread and Buttering Host podcast, especially if you're a big sports fan. And I hope that my moderators who are listening right now will drop those links for us right now. If not, I'll definitely do that myself. But I'm pretty sure we got several over there who will be able to do that for us. So gentlemen, your reaction to this video, Caleb Williams sobbing with his family after losing the game. Did it break your heart or did it make your PP shrink? It made my look, Caleb Williams is a multimillionaire in college, right? Like we know this. He, he's yeah. and I know of, he's in Nissan commercials. Um, this was a 
complete theater act by him. He does not care. I can promise you that. He's going to be a high draft pick. Um, this was just sympathy theater. Um, yeah. I say this is somebody who used to live in Los Angeles and in, in the heart of Hollywood there. Uh, USC has a way of kind of rubbing off on you. So maybe he's getting some of those uh, soy boy uh, L.A. vibes. Uh, wouldn't be the first time. Uh, but I think this is just mostly theater, just him trying to show how much he loves the game. And, and, the, week, and the week before, three weeks before this. So just to put this into perspective for people, this team was supposed to win the national championship, right? Exactly. They're supposed yeah. to be the best team in college football. They now have two consecutive losses. How many losses they have? Yeah, right? they got three for the year now. Two in three weeks. And he was supposed to be the number one overall draft pick. So him playing bad, team not winning. I think this is Gen Z for you. I think it's Absolutely. just like I, I, I talked a big game. I run to my mom. Yeah. But it gets hard. Yeah. Like yeah. Basically. That's Gen Z for you. I would not think that like your first instinct. I would not think that your first instinct as a man football player would be to go and cry with your mommy. What does he think he, he gains from that benefits from that? Does he think people are going to feel sympathy? I mean, this is kind of this is the kind of sport where yeah, like, he does. really? Yeah, wow. I, I, that's the, that is that's what to be, they do. To be fair, we did have Tim Tebow back in the day crying against Alabama in the SEC championship game. That was on the field, though. That was him at least, you know, not sobbing to his mom. That was an, at least an SEC championship game. This was a big game against Washington in the Coliseum. But still, man, I mean, crying to your mom in the stands like that. It's like, bro, man, what, what are you doing right now? I would just man up on the podium and say, hey, look, I didn't get it done. Yeah. We're not good enough. And yeah. I'm going to vow to get better. And and we'll go from there. But yeah. I, I don't think you'd see me uh, doing that. Yeah. You know, running up in the stands. I don't hey, know. It, this is where I, we I are. This, this is it. This is where we are. You know, my my wife, she's a therapist, right? So she deals with a lot of men who are dealing with anger issues or they've got, you know, they've got to do, you know, come up with coping mechanisms and stuff. Help and, him I, I, and I've got, and I've got a lot of, <laughs> well, I've got a lot of friends who like served in the military. They got PTSD and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, I don't want to tell like my fellow men, like, don't cry or something like that. Maybe this is all theater. Maybe you're right. I don't know or something like that, but it's kind of like, if it is in this situation, it's fine. But like men crying in general, you know, if they served in war and had to like, you know, kill people to save their buddies' lives, maybe it's okay in that situation. He's a multi-millionaire. Yeah, this a is college football player. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was me. I'm you're not seeing me cry. I could I, I could promise you. I, I would go in sorority row. I've been on sorority row in USC and just plow out some song girls. I mean, life is not that hard, bro. It's not that bad when you're a billionaire in college. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're on Nissan Heisman house commercials every five minutes. Every five like, minutes. I mean, come on. <laughs> if this commentary is any uh, indicator, you guys would definitely enjoy Mike and Derek from the Making Bread and Buttering Host podcast who are joining us live right now. We're thankful to have you here. Click like and subscribe and don't forget to visit their Rumble page as well. Looks like our friend Cheeky dropped it over there. They're also on Twitter as well. Butter and Hose. That's A-N-D-H-O-E-S. <laughs> he, he made Butter that. Hose. That's all yeah. him. <laughs> uh, it's Simple. a great name and you guys got great commentary here. I'd like to talk to you about uh, becoming a multimillionaire in college. A lot of people don't yeah. think you should be allowed to do that. I guess Missouri passed a law recently that altered the fundamental structure for whether or not college students can get paid. Do you want to give us an update on that and give us your take? It's wild. Go ahead. Tell them. Yeah. So basically you have Missouri there in the SEC. It is the cutthroat league of college football. You have the likes of Alabama, Georgia, two-time national uh, defending champion. 
So basically, like we said, these college kids, they can get paid now. Basically, what we had years ago where kids were getting, you know, Dodge Ram trucks under the table, that's all legal now. The state of Missouri, though, has done something uh, interesting to try to keep up in the SEC to where they're actually allowing high school kids to actually already start getting paid for that NIL money, provided... Austin, high school kids. Provided, <laughs> provided they go to a Missouri State school. And with all apologies to Missouri State University, this is 100% going to Mizzou, trying to help Mizzou compete with the likes of Alabama. And now next year, you have Texas and Oklahoma also joining the fray. So, but Here's the thing about college football. You ever play the game Risk, the board game? It's like that. It is a imperialistic just domination of the map of the United States. Yeah. Who recruits where? Who steals recruits from what states? They move in. They get pushed out. It just never stops. It gets dirty. It gets ugly. We have a big recruit game this week, right? With yeah. USC, Oregon. USC, Oregon. Tell them why that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal because, I mean, you have these hotbeds for these recruiting talents. Obviously, Southern California is this huge uh, hotbed recruiting. Oregon is going to, if they have the opportunity, Oregon's going to try to put, you know, four or five touchdowns on USC because all those recruits are going to be at the game. Uh, you got they want the Cali kids. The Oregon school wants these California kids to yeah. play there. Yeah. And USC wants to keep them there. Yeah. So, so once again, it's like, it's like a giant board game. Dude. Yeah. It's just like a giant game. And now, of now that we have the NIL money, it's literally whichever school has the bigger donor willing to give more money. Basically what we're, what we're dealing with. Yeah, it's um, the capitalism that we love. <laughs> Joni Rankin over on the live stream says she loves these guys. Let's give them a round of applause. I'm speaking to Mike and Derek from the Making Bread and Buttering Hose podcasts. It's and Buttering Hose and. joining us right now. Make sure that you get it straight and That's join them over on Rumble for their show. We're going to talk about their show here in just a couple of minutes, but I have one other topic I really I want to breach before we talk about your podcast. I'd like to ask you about a story that you told me here, and I don't know if it was Mike or Derek who was telling me this story in the Twitter chat, but you were telling me about how you lived in L.A. for 12 years and you worked in the film industry. You were repped by United Entertainment, which is uh, one untitled. of the big, un, excuse me, Untitled Entertainment, yeah. one of the biggest yeah. management companies. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of them. Um, yeah. and you, uh, apparently had an experience with them when you came into the woke politics of Hollywood in its early days. You want to share that story with us? Yeah. So uh, just, I got a, I got a butt in. He was in a movie with Cuba Gooding Jr. Believe it or not. He was in a movie with Cuba Gooding Jr. I was. I was. So he, he is a D minus actor. Right? I am. He's I am. in the game. He's not high, but he's in the game. He's available. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I made a web series based on my adventures, picking up uh, chicks in the gay bars of West Hollywood. It's called Down with David. It's been taken down by YouTube several times, but still up. Of course, right? YouTube, of course. YouTube.com slash Down with David. Um, this web series, uh, I was sending it, spamming it out to thousands of people in L.A. Somehow it gained the, the attention of one um, uh, uh, pretty uh, uh, big uh, writer, and he brought it to literally the, the desk of the, the heads of HBO. And before I knew it, my career had, you know, for all these years, struggling, literally living on, on a couch, Austin, in Hollywood, and just, you know, uh, giving my life to the industry. And all of a sudden, things started to happen. I, I, I met with the vice president of comedy at HBO. I gained representation by Untitled Entertainment. For those who don't know, 
Uh, most A-list actors, they usually only have like a, a lawyer and an agent at the likes of CAA, William Morris, or now UTA. The few who do have management, they go to a place like Untitled Entertainment. When I was there, Emma Watson um, from Harry Potter was there, Jared Leto, a bunch of other big names who actually did have a manager. Like Untitled is, is who you go to, basically. And so I was there making waves. Donald Trump became president in 2016. And that's when there was, there was a shift in Hollywood, in particular for what I was doing, comedy. And you could, you could feel it, but you kept pushing along. So I, met, I meet with HBO in 2018. I'm with Untitled. And literally in the span of about six months of when I'm meeting with HBO and, and having this, this top you know, uh, flight uh, representation and feeling like my life, my dreams are finally about to happen, there was just this, this seismic shift in Hollywood to where all these executives, I mean, we're talking just thousands of people got fired and basically replaced by people with, uh, I'm sorry to say it, but names you couldn't pronounce, or they were from an Ivy League school. I have family uh, who do go, uh, who are a uh, dean at a uh, Ivy League school. So I'm not saying all Ivy League people are bad, but I'm telling you the people in Hollywood from I Ivy Leagues, they are very bad. Their view of America is far different. We from need ours. lit progressive executives. All we of a sudden, them. all of a sudden, my show about picking up chicks in the gay bars of West Hollywood, which when I made it, that was a left-leaning show. All of a sudden, that became a right conservative show. Uh, I was, uh, of how, course, how goofy is like how goofy is that? I was like, I was being told that I, I have toxic masculinity, that I was a, a homophobe. Literally, the second biggest character in the show is an older gay man. By the way, oh, he was great in that. He was a great character. And then the, uh, they're asking me at meetings if I was 100% Caucasian. We're trying to, you know, like even the, 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 the representation levels in Hollywood, all this other bullshit. And then they're actually asking me if I'm 100% Caucasian. Could you imagine doing that to any other, you know, uh, skin or entity? You could be like, well, my uh, great grandma screwed a black guy once, but they didn't have a kid. So is, does that count? I, I told him to just say that he's gay. Well, well, then, Derek, these were based on true stories, right? That you, yes. you, you would go to gay bars and pick up straight chicks. Yes. I used to do that too. That was a really good tech. That's good tactic. <laughs> Dude, West Hollywood. It's literally, it's, it's gay dudes and uh, uh, hot model chicks and Russian mobsters. That's basically yes. West Hollywood. Yeah. That's in, in New York city and DC. If you were a straight guy, uh, you went to the gay bars if you wanted to meet the girls because uh, you know, less competition. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad and thankful to have our buddies, Mike and Derek, from the Making Bread and Buttering Hose podcast here joining us now. Mike, I think we should just start with you since we just got a, a great little monologue from Derek. Yeah. Explain, explain to us what the hell the title of your podcast is all about and tell us about your show. It's just, a, it's a goofy title. I mean, he, he, he's the one who kind of made it up. Um, what was your theory on that? I mean, it just, yeah, it's, just... it's, it's, it's making bread, making that skrilla, making that guap, making that money. And it, then, and then you, and then you butter the women with it. You butter the hose. It's basically his experience in the gay bars in LA. Basically. That's basically what he thought. <laughs> I'm just here to give people free winning wagers and some, <laughs> so, a little bit of a dark, sarcastic, um, relief from Derek's, uh, energetic presence, I guess I'll say. By the way, is there a more polar different you know uh conversations here from us to judge napolitano like could could you not go from one you know different uh direction to another <laughs> that's why oh people like this show <laughs> he was like for me i grew up in like the most fox news household ever like fox news is on when you go to sleep wake up 
So to come on after Judge Napoleon, <laughs> to me, it's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, holy the, crap. The like, judge is so, a great mind. He's been one of my uh, biggest inspirations. We got to work together directly at Fox yeah. for a couple of years. And um, and I certainly am grateful that he joins us here on the, the show on Wednesdays. Uh, but back to the Making Bread and Buttering Hose podcast. So tell me what your podcast is all about. What do you guys cover on the show and where can people find out so, more information? Yeah, we got you. So essentially, um, if you live in a state that has legal gambling, unfortunately, we looked up Missouri's laws. I guess it's not legal. Not yet. Yeah. Until 2024, it's like, you know, on the table, I guess, to get up there. But if you bet sports, we are college football gamblers. Um. I wish I could tell you that in a more like non-degenerate way. <laughs> but we are college football gamblers so, and we love college football. Um, tell them our record. We have an overall on the show. We so, have a winning record. Yeah, paid paid cappers in Las Vegas. They uh, college football betting is brutal. Fifty five percent. Very hard. Fifty five percent winning percentage is considered a paid Las Vegas cap. And what that means, Austin, is is you have to pay them to, for them to give you plays. We are here to give it to you for nothing. For free. Literally. For, for nothing. Just subscribe to our Rumble channel. We do the fun. work for you, yeah. and you just click the back. But we're, we're currently at 52% for the year, so we're just under that Vegas paid capper. I'm coming off a five-in-one week. I just turned $150 parlay into $1,000. We also do have, Austin, I know you like the chickens here. We call it the Boss Hawk Lock. Our boss bird gang, our <laughs> bird gang, the bird gang is here. So what that means is the boss cock lock means that it is the play. If you're going to take one bet from us, take the mortgage. You take this wager. Yeah. It is six and four in the season. Six and four. Have a winning record on it, so it is profitable. And we are giving you guys the play right now. It is UNLV running Rebels to score over twenty-seven and a half points. That's right, against the Wyoming Gay Cowboys at home there. And the game is in the Raiders Stadium, I believe. In Vegas. So it is on turf. So we have a high-scoring offense mm -hmm. on better field yep. to basically score their average. Yep. Very simple, right? Boss, Very simple. Boss cock lock week 11. But, yeah, we, we talk about plays. We do make fun of woke culture, as you can tell. That's just who we are. Obviously, I have a personal vendetta against it from what I went through in Hollywood. So we kind of mix in the world of, of college sports with uh, what's going on here in the crazy times of uh, the uh, leftist communist takeover. Yeah, I mean, not a great night for the Republicans. <laughs> night, right? I mean, not a great no. night. No, we got to hit that prices right, womp, womp button there for you guys. Um, definitely not a good night for Republicans, but a good morning for those who love liberty and who've been tuning in this morning. Looks like the audience is really enjoying it. Joni Rankin says, you guys are so refreshing. Steffi for Liberty says, they're fun. Cheeky Mare, she dropped your Twitter account over there, and I just dropped Thank Rumble. Thank you. Yes, and I just dropped rumble.com slash butter, butter and hose. Make sure you click that link there in the chat if it's clickable for some of you. Some of you may not be able to get that, but just type it in. Rumble.com slash butter and hose, spelled H-O-E-S. Guys, Anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we let you go today? Uh, I mean, look, we are just, uh, we're new to Rumble. We're on Rumble because we would get banned on YouTube. Absolutely. One day. Mm -hmm. um, one second. One second. He's already, you're already banned. Yeah, down with David he, is already he's banned. He's already banned. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to be a part of this Rumble movement here. And um, we're 
very much for free speech. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I we're mean, for free speech and should be able to talk about what you want to talk about. And if that means you have to talk to Judge Napolitano about pro-slavery Confederate talking points for, for <laughs> <laughs> then that's what we should, that, that's, I'm for that. Let's do that. <laughs> the world of sports has been taken over a lot of past, like everything else by woke culture. College football is one of the last staples of, of pro-Americana, rowdy Americana, what Austin always talks about, that, that Western uh, entrepreneurial wild spirit that is America. That is college football. That is us. Follow us. We will not cave to the system. And we're here to, to grow with all the rest of you here on Rumble. There you go. It's uh, a great promo for your show. Mike and Derek, the Making Bread and Buttering Hoes podcast. You heard it here first before they got more big and famous than even we are here right now. So make sure you subscribe to them over on Rumble. Tell you what I'm going to do, guys. Uh, whenever we get a big story that has a link to the show, that's football or any kind of sports related. How about we just we'll invite you back and we'll make you guys kind of our um, our sports experts on the show. You guys can come back and do some more commentary again in the future. What do you say? Oh yeah, I mean college football. There is always something going on. We got what well, we got the Harbaugh scandal. Yeah, we got, got there. There's there's things going on here. It's, it, it'd be an absolute honor here. We may have a very famous powerful coach at Michigan getting fired. I mean, we got, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Absolutely. Even even traveling in some of the same circles, by the way, Austin, I have some friends in LA who are also friends with you. So it's, it's nice to finally connect with you. Nice. Well, it's great to connect with you guys as well. I'll look forward to having you guys back on the show. I can't uh, promise that, you know, Israel and Hamas won't necessarily outkick that coverage there, but uh, if there's (laughs) a, if there's a big, if there's a big news story that's sports related, I promise I'll make sure to have you guys back. And of course, send me pitches. Anytime you like, we'll hope you join us again and make sure that everybody who's watching us right now, click like and subscribe to their show before they go. Mike, Derek, you guys are great. We appreciate you very much. And we'll hopefully talk to you again real soon. Take UNLV, 27 and a half points. Keep kicking ass, guys. guys. We'll talk to you again real soon. And follow the Making Bread and Butter and Hose podcast over there on Rumble. And follow them on Twitter as well. Mike and Derek, what'd you guys think? You want to give them a round of applause, huh? What a great show today. Yeah, Pro-Confederate, appreciate you guys very much for joining us here on the Wake Up America show live. What an awesome show. I think that today was one of the best shows ever. High energy. I mean, we had bad news, obviously. Terrible news electorally. But we had a great show here today, don't you think? Oh, man, those guys were fun. I had a great time today. Uh, A lot of people over on the stream seem to enjoy them as well. Craptacular says betting is fun. Hard to stay ahead, but makes the games interesting. Nice job to the topic mix today. We appreciate you very much. I got to say that the Wake Up America show is killing the game. We got featured on the front page of Rumble.com today. We had thousands and thousands of people watching the show simultaneously live. It's just, it's a new era in liberty. The Wake Up America show streams to you live every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. So don't forget to click subscribe before you go. I know what's going to happen. A lot of you are going to get on here and be like, well, I really like the show and I like that AP for Liberty guy, but I'm really busy. So I don't have time to click that like button. Don't, no, wait, come back. You might forget. And then tomorrow you'll be like, where was that show that I saw on the front page of Rumble.com again? Oh, I can't find it anymore. Rumble.com slash AP for Liberty. So don't forget, just click subscribe before you go. And that way you'll come back and join us tomorrow. Tomorrow's Thirsty Thursdays. The lovely Camelia Peterson joins us as well as Daniela Pensack for their regular 8 and 8.30 a.m. slots. The lovely ladies of Liberty here on the show. And then, of course, my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife joins us on Friday. Stephanie for Liberty. Steffi P for Liberty. She's awesome, isn't she? 
As we're saying goodbye and I'm ushering you guys out the door, I'm gonna say, hey, why don't you check out, exit through the gift shop and enjoy some delicious Founding Flavors coffee. Grab a bag on your way out. You can get awesome Liberty merchandise there as well. Help support the show. Help us grow and buy some merch from AP4LibertyShop.com. That's AP, the number four, AP4LibertyShop.com. And I guess, well, I guess, bidi, 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 bidi. That's all, folks. Thanks very much. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Wake Up America Show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com. <laughs>